When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend edition is here. It's a flex schedule Saturday. Hail Varsity weekend. We're presented by your friends at Currency. Go Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Elijah Herbal back at the single barrel. I don't know that he left. We're just going to let that rumor grow a little bit. And uh, Connor Clark back in studio, Chris Schmidt in the COVID dungeon. And uh, we welcome in Brandon Bogle to get, get us kicked off. It is North Dakota week, fellas. Good to see everyone. We have had a plethora of Big Ten football to be very judgmental about, uh, not only Nebraska and Dublin, Iowa, in a bit of a tussle right now with South Dakota State, the Friday night extravaganza that was Indiana and Illinois. And then, yes, there's Nebraska. How how was everyone's Friday? Vogues, uh, we'll start with you. Did you put something on the barbecue and watch a little Big Ten action? Uh, just to watch the Big Ten action portion of that. Um, so, turned on, watched the first hour of that Michigan State game, and <clears throat> that was going about as almost exactly as expected, and then flipped over to Illinois, Indiana. And that one went pretty close to expected as well, uh, based on – based on the point spread there. Uh, it threw me for a loop seeing Indiana by three at home, but inevitably they won by three at home, um, which I, I tweeted this earlier today. The three Big Ten games so far have been decided by a total of 10 points, which feels very, uh, very Big Ten at this point. Yeah, very Big Ten is is about right. And it, it's, it's tight, it's turnovers, it's – it's physical, and Elijah, I know you're a line of scrimmage kind of sewer. Connor, same with you. And, and Vogue's back to you real quick on, I mean, I look at Indiana's defensive line, and I know they're not the 85 Bears, but, man, they looked good. Their, their back safeties were, were talented. And then Illinois knocked people's teeth out in, in the, the first seven rows. They, they were that physical. Illinois didn't find a way, but – I look at what I watched last night on a Friday and I watched it Northwestern. And then I'm like, I, I know there's room to get better time to get better for Nebraska football, but I'm just doing the old eye test. <laughs> Forgive me right now. And in the offensive line and defensive lines, Nebraska have, they don't look, they don't look better than what I've seen in the big 10 right now through week. Yeah. One. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, just the there, – there seemed to be an edge in that Illinois-Indiana game with both teams really flying around. I think it was a pretty hard-hitting game. You know, Indiana had to replace a ton. 
defensively. So for them to to show some of the flashes that they sh- shown last night, um, you know, that's a team that's coming to Lincoln. Uh, so is Illinois. And both of them, I thought, kind of flew around a little bit in a way that we didn't see in Dublin, not from Nebraska or really even Northwestern. You know, Northwestern was kind of more of a – a classic big 10 grind them down type of thing. When you talk about the lines of scrimmage. So, you know, we'll see where things go from here. None of those big 10 results thus far that they're, the fact that they're close isn't surprising. It just kind of reinforces for me that most years in this league, there's going to be about 80% of the teams and they're going to be separated on a week to week basis by a handful of plays. Elijah Herbal's posted up at the single barrel. Uh, Elijah, uh, give us the scene, set it up down there right now. How's the Sea of Red looking? Well, uh, Sea of Red's looking solid. They're, they're out in full force. Uh, get this. I, I did, in fact, leave the single barrel last night. I, I know Schmitty wants to let those rumors live on, but I, I will dispel those I'm not rumors. judging you. I mean. <laughs> I, I did, in fact, leave. And how about this for just a good omen for your Saturday? I found street parking in downtown Lincoln on a game day. So. That's a good omen in my book. Uh, the Sea of Red's looking strong, but I will say a strong contingent of North Dakota fans, and uh, this North Dakota team is about to leave the Graduate Hotel, so that, that could explain a lot of the green I'm seeing around, but uh, a lot of respect for the North Dakota fans making the eight-hour drive down, and uh, there does seem to be a, just a good amount of green in downtown Lincoln. I'm curious to see what it looks like in the stadium, but obviously the, the red-to-green ratio is still at least 10 to 1. 10 to 1 if I had to guess and uh, Husker Nation seems pretty fired up uh, ready to go for a game on a Husker football Saturday it, it's good to be back it's, it's got that that juice in downtown Lincoln that that I've missed Connor Clark is in studio Connor Clark got to pose with Johnny Rogers a little bit earlier at the Big Ten tailgate did uh, did Johnny ask you for an autograph because I fear what you got charged if you asked him <laughs> unfortunately not and Unlike Elijah, I had much less luck street parking. I actually had three straight cars in front of me get the spot. So that wasn't a good oh, no. omen for me. So that, that was a little bit of a, a rough stroll around Haymarket. But, yeah, that was a good time to, to go off what Elijah said. I mean, Big Red is in full force in downtown. There's a lot of people out and about. The morale is very high. The energy is up. Everybody knows it's game day. And I think you could just – from a fan perspective and an atmosphere perspective, you can kind of throw everything that happened a week ago away for at least a little bit pregame. Um, and there's just a lot of excitement downtown. I'm super excited. Really happy to have game day back in Memorial Stadium. Should be a good day overall, um, and we'll see what happens on the field, but I'm really excited. We have our city radio weekend. We are uh, live in, in different spots of the world. Elijah is downtown in the Haymarket at the Single Barrel inside the Graduate Hotel. I can't wait to make my debut uh, on site next week once this damn COVID gets filtered through. So uh, I am uh, stuck in the basement, but we're ready to go. And uh, a great show planned for you. Real Red Reaction follows. Brought to you by our friends at Currency again. And that'll be a stream-only proposition. It'll be on our our YouTube channel. And it'll also be on Facebook and and Twitter. ESPN Lincoln Facebook, ESPN Lincoln Twitter is where you can watch the broadcast. You're hearing us live, ESPN FM 1015, 1480 AM, uh, as you you get ready to get the tailgate fired up. Bogues, I want to get your thoughts as we, we dive into 
this ball game. And and we were talking to you Thursday. Since then, in between our predictions yesterday to now, am I seeing things on social media or has the line jumped a whopping eight to nine points? Is the line now at almost 30 and a half? Did you follow that along? <laughs> I, I hadn't seen that. <clears throat> I saw last night it was up to 23. Which so was a couple of just, points, yeah, just a little bit. Um, let me check live here quickly. But I mean, that would be that would be a massive, massive jump for for game day. Uh, we see these things move, and we see you know late moves all the time. But I don't know if I can recall seeing eight points before. That would be that. I mean, that's that's like a serious injury type of type of issue for something to move that big. That's a right. that's a phase of the the football team suspension jump, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> there it is. I'm showing minus thirty right now. Look at me. <laughs> what? Well, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, was right. So can, can, can I jump in here? I don't even think the line jumped this much when we learned that half of Minnesota's team had COVID a couple years ago, where they couldn't travel and they only brought like fifty guys. The line didn't even jump this much. So. I, Maybe I'll, I'll reach out to some sources in Vegas. Danny Burke, see what's up. This is this is strange. I mean, yeah, that's that's a crazy move. Um, I kind of can't believe it. So um, I, I guess the the math is absolutely take North Dakota in the points today. <laughs> it, it might be. I mean, I thought I, I thought this going into the Northwestern game before I knew if Nebraska had won or lost. Uh, just knowing the trip they had to make home is going to be a little bit of weird week, short week. Uh, I was like, boy, <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you're interested in that, like it's, it's a pretty tough spot not to at least take North Dakota for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But now at minus 30, I, I can't remember the last time Nebraska was a favorite of 30 plus, probably Bethune Cookman. Probably is it. Brandon Vogel's with us. Elijah Herbal at the single barrel, Connor Cook guys. We're going to go a- around the horn and and kind of do a one big thing from each of us today uh, as we get into some game mode, a low-line drive punt. Iowa right now in a rugby scrum, they'll shockingly enough set up with about 38 yards to go for a touchdown, uh, Iowa in field position, right? But uh, Elijah, I'll start with you. Uh, there's a lot of topics and discussion points what, what's the one big thing for you today with Nebraska uh, as you uh, gear up for Nebraska-North Dakota in this new 30-point spread? For me, it's all about this Husker team uh, moving the ball, and once they get into to red zone territory, punch it in for a touchdown. I don't want to see any field goals from this Nebraska team today. Uh, that kind of comes down to, I think, run game. Whenever the field gets tight and there's a little less room to throw the ball, can Nebraska lean on that consistent run game? But that's what I'm going to be looking for is, can this Husker team, when they have the ball in a good area of the field, inside the 25-yard line, are they going to be punching it in? That's one thing I'm looking for. And then defensively, less so, are they going to be stopping this North Dakota attack entirely? I'm going to be looking for, can this defense win the turnover margin? Uh, and that also is on the offense, being able to protect the football. 
uh, not turning the ball over in stupid ways with you know, balls bouncing off the receiver's hands into the arms of a waiting defender? Uh, can they protect the ball? And, and can the defense generate a turnover or two? That's going to be a, a big key to me today. Nebraska, we know the results whenever they lose the turnover battle. Uh, it usually ends in a loss. So if Nebraska can win that turnover battle, if they can punch it in inside the red zone, uh, I think it should be a, a lopsided win for the Huskers today. Connor, what say you? What's your one big thing? I know we've talked about moving the line of scrimmage and running the ball all week long, and I'm going to stray away from that here. I'm going to go with keep being as disciplined as you were a week ago against Northwestern. Just one penalty for five yards. Keep that going because there's been instances where this Husker team in past years, they've had a good week penalty-wise. They haven't had too many. And then the next week, we'll have five, six, maybe even seven penalties at costly times in the ball game, And we've seen that. Uh, come into play in the past couple of years, and it has not been well for the Huskers. So if you can keep the discipline going, keep the penalty numbers low, keep the penalty yardage low, I think that's going to be huge. Continue that in these next two games leading up into a big one against Oklahoma and then going into the Big Ten gauntlet. Being disciplined is going to potentially win you games in this league. We've talked about other teams in the Big Ten being disciplined and how good they have been because of that. Can the Huskers continue to do that? That's what I want to see today. Email in from Brett, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Stop cheering for Iowa or I will come punch you. Uh, enter at your own risk, Brett. Enter at your own risk. Brandon Vogel say, from Hale. Go ahead. From what this Iowa game in front of me, it's, it's the most Iowa start to this game. I think Spencer Petrus is two for six. Iowa with more punting yards and offensive <laughs> yards in the first quarter. Um, just big exactly football. what you did. Exactly what you'd expect from an <laughs> Iowa football team. Their punter looks great. He looks magnificent today. Vogues, you are you are repping the brand, man. You have that serious marine look on your face, like it's Big Ten football. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, so far the Big Ten season, it are all games involving Big Ten teams, even against non-conference opponents. It's uh, no surprises yet. So just waiting. I've been brainwashed. I used to make fun of this league every day, all day, how boring and weak it was. And then you, you get brought into it and you, you, you submit. I'm cool hand Luke with my arms around the legs of the sheriff after digging up rock all night. Vogues, uh, what, what's the one big thing for you? Um, well, Elijah and Connor both had good answers, so I'll go a little bit boring. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say field position because this has been a consistent problem for Nebraska. It was really, really rough against Northwestern, but rough in a way that has been continually kind of one of Nebraska's weaknesses for the past three, four seasons. They they started I don't remember how many drives, but at a certain point midway through the third quarter, their average starting field position was inside twenty. And that's not just a, a special teams thing. It is, and Northwestern punted really well, credit to them, but it's not getting sacks or tackles for loss. It's not getting three and outs. Um, so field position for me is is kind of a, a good overall health check for how a team's doing. And against an opponent like North Dakota, you know, that's one where you would hope you could flip it. And turnovers, of course, is, is another big piece of, of flipping that field position. So, is Nebraska going to have a game where it consistently doesn't have to go 75 yards every time because it feels like that's been the case 90% of the time over the past three, four seasons. It's Brandon Vogel. Brandon chimes in. You can communicate with us on Facebook or on Twitter. 
uh, at ESPN Lincoln and uh, at ESPN Lincoln's Facebook. Brennan, uh, loyal listener of the show, he chimes in. Good day, fellas. Go Skurs. Go Jacks. The the one big thing for me today uh, is tackling. Is tackling in space, and you're not going to have Henrich. He has that hand issue. He had 14 missed tackles by the Nebraska defense against Northwestern. That's pro football focuses numbers. And they've got to do a better job of tackling in space. I I thought Kolarvik, I thought he, he missed a, a couple, but the next time he had a chance, I thought he was pretty sound. I think you'll see more of him at inside today without Henrich. I love his agility. I like his speed. But he was he he just he got to he got to the ball too quick a few times in Dublin, and and had a chance. I think Gifford's been pretty good at tackling. Uh, I know Buford has been hit or miss, uh, no pun intended. But I mean, just he'll either smoke you and, and make a hell of a great tackle, one that flipped the momentum, right? That that forced fumble, or he would he would miss. I really want to see the interior line today uh, kind of flipped the switch. And, and that is when they get engaged with the ball carrier, hang on. Cause I thought Nebraska had hats to the ball. I mean, I thought there was, there was bodies there, which was good. And I think Reimer was fine. I didn't really notice anything from farmer, but you just didn't see much from Robinson. I, I know feast was, was there and, and feast was, uh, early on, uh, was was making some plays after a dare, couple dare yards. Say, dare we say Colton Feast last week was a little bit feast or famine? You know, you can have another shot of whiskey. You uh, you just keep <laughs> on with that. But no, I mean the interior win and and Drew. I mean those guys got to play good ball and they got to play great ball by Oklahoma and Vogues. I, I think that was my biggest disappointment was the the, the front seven. Uh, I know there was a bust by Omar at safety. So some of the new faces didn't get off to great start. Some of the new bodies that you got, you came in with didn't have their best games. Can they improve? Sure. But some of the, um, just the, the guys you're leaning on this year, aside from Reimer, honestly didn't have Reimer and Newsom were fine, but everyone else was, you know, uh, n- not great. Uh, the interior's got to be good today, and the interior's got to be way, way better uh, than they were in Dublin. And, and that's that's the the charge for me. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, defensive line. There wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a lot to write home that, about there from anyone that that saw the field. I think I think Feast probably had the best game of of uh, a pretty rough bunch. Ty Robinson as, you know, kind of the rock based on returning experience, at least needs to, needs to be the guy up there, particularly over the next couple of weeks, I think. And Drew and Wynn, um, less so with Wynn, you know, cause he, he had the full fall camp. Drew arrived a little bit late, but you know, there were flashes there. Like they've just got to, I mean, this is, goes for Nebraska across the board. They've just got to get better a little bit week to week and you look at the way the season breaks out now having that loss to Northwestern you've kind of got two three week uh almost tournaments Mm -hmm. of of a sort so you've got the next three games which ends with Oklahoma 
into a bye week. And then you got Indiana, Rutgers, and Purdue, uh, or Illinois. Sorry, I'm mixing that up. Um, but and then, then you go into another bye week. So like if you're out there still smarting from the Northwestern loss, get it. But you can plot this out and look at it and be like, okay, just do these in three week chunks. Um, well, one game at a time, of course. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you've got two three week trunk chunks here broken up by bye weeks where you can get back on track, but it's going to take some of that improvement of places like, in particular, I think, the defensive line. To Brandon Vogel, Vogue's last thought uh, before we let you get out. Thanks for joining us here with the weekend edition to get kicked off here at 1130 from the single barrel. Casey Thompson, do you worry about his health? Did he look right to you in the fourth quarter? Did he look like his thumb may have been re-injured or did, was it more just a rhythm thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, the difference between the first two and a half, three quarters and the remainder was, was pretty stark. You know, if you think back to that, um, to the Martin interception, the first interception, that ball wasn't necessarily in a bad spot. I think it got on top of Martin pretty quickly, but it was also, it wasn't a perfectly thrown ball, you know, so it does make you wonder a little bit if, if there's some aggravation to that existing injury, the thumb injury. Uh, but we don't know. We'll get a good look at, at, at him today. I mean, that would be a, that would be a pretty tough break if, if there is some lingering issue there because for the most part, I thought he played pretty well. Um, and if that's the explanation, well, at least there's an explanation for why the fourth quarter didn't look that way. Bad news is uh, how long is that going to stick around? Mm. Brandon Vogel with us. Elijah Smothers, do we see X number of carries from Smothers today? If I had to put a, a, a prediction down on how much we see Smothers, I feel like this coaching staff is still going to try to keep Casey Thompson in a rhythm. Uh, maybe Logan Smothers the guy that comes in off the bench in the third or fourth quarter, and how awesome would that be to, to be up enough during that second half where you can see some backups, but I don't think this is something that the Husker coaching staff wants to jack around with personally in a game like North Dakota. I mean, this is not a, a team where you should be trying to catch them off guard. This is a team where you should go out and run your base offense, move the ball, score some points, and then you get your backups in later in the game. Save that kind of thing for, for Logan Smothers getting some rushing attempts for a game like Oklahoma where maybe the rushing lanes aren't open. And if we do see Logan Smothers, it's because most likely, in my opinion, that Husker rushing attack is not getting the job done today. That That's the, the scenario where I see Logan Smothers getting in, getting some snaps, getting some rushes, but the Husker coaching staff shouldn't want to have to jack with that in a game like North Dakota. Run your base <laughs> offense, move the ball, score some points, let the backups come in later. Vogue's six, 90 seconds. Does the Nebraska fans leave more encouraged or discouraged today by about 630? Uh, I think it'll be a, a net neutral. Um <laughs> They'll be <laughs> no, no. They'll be there'll be some good. I mean, I think I do expect Nebraska to win this. I, I don't expect them to win it by thirty, uh, which is the new number. Um, so there'll be enough there to kind of get to next week. There'll be enough there to to make next week uh, probably a little more nervous, nerve wracking than it needs to be, and that'll be how it goes. And if you're in Nebraska, you know set aside the fans for a second. Like if you're Nebraska, you take it. Like that's all that matters. Like get the W. 
Vogues, enjoy your football Saturday, and we'll be catching up uh, with you next week for sure and get your reaction as Nebraska uh, moves forward in 2022. Thanks so much, bud. Thanks, guys. There he is, Brandon Vogel, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Steve checks in uh, from the beach, Beach Mountain, North Carolina. I wonder where that is in reference to Bryson City. That's where Cousin Dino's ranch was, well, not ranch, but uh, homestead was set up. Uh, Ann Audrey's out there. I'm sure she's wearing red and has some eye black on. Uh, but good to hear from Steve. We're streaming, uh, of course, ESPNLincoln.com. Watch us. Check us out on uh, Facebook and Twitter with ESPN Lincoln. Quick update from the Iowa game. Uh, we talked about how Iowa got the ball in some good field position. They went five yards in three plays and ended up kicking a field goal. And you know it's an Iowa kicker, so he's going to knock it home. But Spencer Petras finished off the drive by overthrowing a screen pass. And uh, that's why they had to do the... Uh, the, uh, the field goal at the end of the drive. And this is not me piling on Spencer Petrus, but from early reports, the South Dakota State team is good this year. It's a tough early season test for Iowa, but my early report in of uh, Iowa is it looks like an Iowa football team, exactly what you'd expect. Well, Iowa won for two from, uh, from field goal uh, land today. Uh, quick timeout, Hale Varsity Weekend Edition at the single barrel. Elijah Herbal set up there. Gary Sharp will be on site with us about 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll have our rewind next. Uh, some insight to that offensive line with Jeremiah Searles. We're brought to you by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Hail Varsity rolls on. Your child has brain cancer. Can you imagine hearing those words about your own child? Nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings. When a child is diagnosed with brain cancer, their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. That foot is me. Back in, it's Hail Varsity Radio on a Thursday presented by Currency. Excited to welcome in former Husker offensive lineman, former Viking, former Bill, former Charger. It's Jeremiah Searles joining us here today. And Searles, I got some bad news and I got some good news. I'll start it off with the bad news. The, the bad news is you're stuck with the B team today. It's Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson filling in for Schmitty. But the good news is there is nothing the B team would rather do for the next uh, 10 or so minutes than talk offensive line play. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, my man. You know, today marks my favorite part of the year. September 1 is now officially hunting season. So I can now hunt from basically now until February, and it is a glorious day. Uh, you, you, you're, a, you're a deer guy yourself, right? That's not starting up just yet, has it? 
uh, archery season started today. Okay. Dove season started today. Teal starts on Saturday. So it's a big week. It's a big week in the Searles household. Uh, yeah, you're hunting for any fighting hawks. No, not at the moment. Not at the moment. But, I mean, I guess i got to watch out for those wildcats. They can sneak up on you. <laughs> Jeremiah Searles with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And, Searles, let's dive right into the, the, the offensive line play. I'm sure you have some takes on uh, what went down on Saturday. And I just want to start off with, with your general consensus because I, I saw different opinions going out about there, whether the offensive line play last Saturday was better or worse than what we saw last year. And, they did a better job keeping the defensive line off Casey Thompson, I think, when he was dropping back. But part of that could be the scheme of the offense as well. And there weren't that many running lanes to, to be had on Saturday afternoon either. So I just want to get your general take on the performance of the offensive line on Saturday as compared to what we saw last season. Yeah, you know, I think it's different. You know, I think this this quick passing offense is very different than what the offense passing offense was last year. You know, last year was a lot of play action five step or play action even uh, three step but you know it wasn't the quick passing game that we saw on Saturday you know we saw a lot of ball out of his hand early he was delivering the ball on time to shoot he had I think four different receivers just in that very first that very first drive so you know I think the pass protection was better I'll be curious to see you know at the end there in the two minute drill the pass protection did break down a little bit when it was more obvious passing situation but the thing that really disheartened me is, you know, all spring ball, all fall camp, all we heard was how the offensive line was running off the football and they were coming after people and there was lanes happening in the run game. And then it seemed like none of that. I mean, 110 yards rushing is not going to cut it in this league. It's just not. You know, it's not something that you're going to be able to win a bunch of football games with when you're only going to be rushing 100 yards. And no, not that I'm taking credit away from Northwestern, but I don't think that's one of the top defenses in the Big Ten. You know, and we could not generate push. We could not generate leverage to open up some run games. So that was really disheartening to see. And it's something that we really have to get fixed. I don't necessarily know if it was a scheme issue. I think it was more along the lines of just a physicality issue and them just beating us off the ball. Well, yeah, you, you combine the fact that just over 100 yards rushing and almost 40 of them came on Anthony Grant's touchdown run. The running game was just... Uh, let's say inconsistent at best. And one thing my amateur eyes noticed, Searles, and I want to get uh, your expert opinion on this, was the, that Northwestern, whenever you looked at their offensive line, their double teams were generating a lot of movement off the line of scrimmage, and they did a really good job getting up to second level. And, I, I mean, I can't even count how many times you saw a running back one-on-one with a safety eight yards past the line of scrimmage from Northwestern. And there was less of that with, with Nebraska where less movement on the double teams felt like there was always a linebacker free to make a play. And for the most part, it was just a scrum inside uh, with Northwestern's defensive front. So I want to get your take on what you saw. I saw some people on Twitter saying uh, the offensive line, their, their hats were too high. I personally look at, at some ineffective double teams. Where do you think that the fault lies uh, with the uh, lack of a, of a push from the offensive line last Saturday? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I think the reason that Northwestern had so much success running the football, we'll start with them, is because they were committed to it. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they started in the first quarter and they did not waver from it. And when you just consistently run the football, it is just body blows, body blows, body blows to those D-linemen, those linebackers, to where you really saw in the fourth quarter things started to pop, right? Versus when you start a game as a quick passing offense, you don't take those body blows to those defense. So they're a little bit more stout in there in the run game, and they're a little bit more when it comes to the end of the third, fourth quarter. They're not as beat up as maybe someone that commits to running the football. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's just the nature of what playing offense and defensive line is. You know, on our offensive side, you know, I think that you're, you're right. There were some double teams. When you double-team a guy, you have to displace that person in order to make the play run. 
you know, you saw Peter Skaronsky, he's one of the best tackles in the NCAA, and he was able to get in there. Him and Josh Freeby were moving guys off the wall and pushing mean guys. And then you see our double teams, we're pushing against each other a little bit. We're not fit up great. You know, I just don't think that our fits are great in the run game. Our hat placement was also not great. You know, if we're going to reach a guy, we make sure we get our hat placement outside, get your hand to his inside sternum. You know, just simple things that, for me, are simple because I did them all the time. But you watch them on tape, and it's concerning when you don't see those things done right. And, you know, that's something that I heard that we had worked on a lot. So I'd like to see that be implemented more on game tape. Now we have to remember, veteran offensive line from Northwestern, not so veteran offensive line from Nebraska. Those guys have been doing it for a long time against big-time opponents. We really only had one guy, Turner Corcoran, and Bryce Benhart were the only two guys that have played Big Ten ball on our offensive line for a consistent amount of snaps. Yeah, and, and Searles, when you mention these issues, especially with a, an inexperienced offensive line, what, what kind of fix is this? Is this something where you can get a lot of this cleaned up by the time North Dakota comes to town and that, that's more of a test run? Or is this something you think could be an issue uh, weeks and weeks into the season? I mean, it's, it, it'll be an issue if you don't get it cleaned up. You know, it's one of those things that if I'm Coach Rayola, I had a very hard meeting on whenever we got back from Ireland and I was very critical about our performance and because the details matter in the offensive line position. You have to be so tuned into the details, your foot placement, your footwork, your hat, your hands, your pad level, all of it matters so much. And, you know, I just saw a little bit of lack of detail in some of those things. So you can absolutely crisp up your details because I'm sure that Coach Rail is teaching all the things that we're talking about. It's a matter of implementing it from practice into when the real bullets are flying that you don't melt and crumble and fall back on old habits. You know, and sometimes that happens with young players versus older players is that the older players are able to just continue because they have that experience where the younger players just kind of start to panic a little bit and just revert back to what they're used to playing in game atmospheres, whatever it was in high school or whatever. So you have to just work through that. Um, that comes with experience. That comes with just getting game reps under your belt. But, you know, I think that it's something that you can absolutely get cleaned up, and I really look to see that it's getting cleaned up against teams like North Dakota, Georgia Southern, so that when you come, you can fine-tune a little bit and then get rolling for Oklahoma. And, Charles, let's take a look at North Dakota here really fast. I personally did not watch many North Dakota football games last season, but the scouting report on their defensive front is uh, they're going to be playing an odd front, three hands in the dirt, maybe a stand-up defensive end as well. They like to come with multiple defenses, and uh, they like to stunt and twist and cause your offensive line some issues. What kind of problems do you foresee that causing this this Husker offensive line? Just how weird and how much movement this North Dakota team is going to probably try to bring with their defensive line yeah you know whenever you feel like you're playing a a more higher ranked opponent right so an fcs school to a bcs school for example you know the thing that they're going to do is they're going to stunt and they're going to twist they're going to slant and that's very much a feast or famine type defense right because when you're stunting and you're twisting and you're you're switching gaps right every defense is gap integrity a b c d e whatever it might be when you're slanting and twisting and turning all it takes is one time someone to miss a gap, and that's where you're talking about home run, home run, big run. But at the same time, it's very easy for an offensive lineman to miss a stunt or miss a twist, and now you're talking about a negative play where they're getting a tackle for a loss or a sack. So they're going to live in this feast or famine mode because they know, as well as we know, they just line up in their base defense and say, our guys versus your guys, our depth will eventually take over. Right, Our size will eventually take over on their depth. They just don't have enough guys on their roster that are big enough to play at this level. Right, They probably have their starters and then a pretty big drop-off behind that. So I do expect them to move a lot. We have to be very disciplined with our eyes, very disciplined with our feet, 
and very disciplined with our assignments to make sure that when we see certain looks that they have tendencies to, we can hit that in the face, and that's where you develop explosive runs and explosive uh, plays, and that's how you get ahead on this team, and then they really have no chance. Jeremiah Searles is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, I might be putting you on the spot just a little bit here, but one of the, the positives, if you can call it that, from the Northwestern game last weekend, at least moving forward, is I didn't really see Northwestern put any exotic blitzes or, or movement up front on tape as being something this Husker offensive line struggles with. And I want to pose that same question to you. Did you see anything that Northwestern was doing up front last week that you think teams like uh, North Dakota and Georgia Southern might be trying to exploit moving forward? No, you know, I don't think they did. I think I think Northwestern came out and played very base defense because that's what they do. Um, you know, Northwestern's never been one of the exotic teams that's going to dial up uh, crazy pressures or line up in funky fronts. You know, they're a very disciplined, believe-in-their-system type of defense. And so um, I don't think there's anything that jumped off tape of me that was like, oh, wow, we're going to see that again. Um, you know, but I do think that they're just going to test us up front with this movement because that's how you beat a young offensive line. You know, just test them with movement and make sure all five guys are on the same page because all it takes is one guy not to be, and you're looking at that negative play we talked about. Jeremiah Searles with us here. And, and Searles, last thought here before we get you out, uh, is there anything you're going to be watching for on Saturday in terms of uh, signs of progress from this offensive line? Not necessarily stats. It could be eye test things as well. But just what are you going to be watching for from the offensive line on Saturday to see, yeah, they've, they've learned some lessons from that game against Northwestern and they're applying them to future opponents? You know, I think the biggest thing is that I need to see the line of scrimmage get established on their side of the football. You know, too many times it was stalemate or our line of scrimmage getting established on our side of the ball. It needs to be a new line of scrimmage established on the defensive side of the football every single run play. You know, that's something that an attitude that needs to be instilled as an offensive lineman. And then I'm going to flip gears on you real quick. I need to see Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson and Oshawn Mathis get at the quarterback. Mm. I have to see that this week. And we could spend a whole other 20 minutes talking about that. But that is something that has to get done this week for me to feel confident that we're going to be able to win six-plus games this year. And so I guess I will flip it around to the defensive line just real fast before we get you out. And that, that defensive line, you had uh, Eric Chenander say yesterday that it was a case of, A, Northwestern being in good down and distance where they didn't need to throw the ball and, and you couldn't really pin your ears back. But then whenever it was passing downs, they did a good job chipping those defensive ends and limiting the pass rush. Is, is that a cause for concern moving forward? Or is that something where, you know, just a, a game-by-game basis, they, they couldn't get it done last week, but there's still signs of, of, of encouragement for future games? Well, it's all complimentary, right, Elijah? I mean, if they're in good down a distance, it's because they did well on first and second down, and so now they ran the ball well, so now it's third and three instead of third and eight, right? So if we allow every team to do good on first and second down, then no, our pass rushers are going to have very minimal effect on third down. So it's all complimentary, right? You have to be able to establish, uh, uh, put them in behind-the-stick situations in second and tens and second and 11s, and then force them into the third and longs. But if you can't get to the quarterback when it's first down, even when they threw the ball someone first down, you know, we just never affected his rhythm. We never affected his feet. So some of those guys just need to go out there and win. And whether you're getting chipped or not, just win your one-on-one matchups and get after the quarterback and everything will be better in life. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, appreciate your time today. Once you finally get that, that first deer of the season, what's the first meal you're going to be making? Oh, backstraps. You know, I'm going to take the backstraps directly off of the deer, slice them into medallions, throw them on the grill, little potatoes, little salt, little pepper. Mm, can't wait. So, that, that sounds incredible. Uh, we appreciate your time here today, and, and happy hunting, brother, all right? Sounds good. Appreciate it. Go Big Red. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan.
going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. We are presented by your folks at uh, Currency. Chris Schmidt in the COVID dungeon. Hope you're doing all right. Connor Clark at our ESPN Lincoln Studios. Elijah Herbal on site uh, at the Single Barrel. And excited to be back at the Single Barrel for home football Fridays and different portions of the football season on Saturday. Guys, how how bad is the vacuum in the background? I don't think I can hear a vacuum in the background, so that's that's positive. I can't hear one Good. either. That, that's wonderful because I don't know. I'm 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 working down in the basement. I can't go anywhere. I'm being thoughtful and considerate. I'm, I'm recovering, and my lovely wife upstairs is like, eh, "I'm going to turn the vacuum on." And it's blaring. I, I can hear it. Uh, I would I would take us on a field trip to go unplug it, but I don't think I'd make it out alive. Well, yeah, and it's, uh, it's not affecting the broadcast in the slightest. So uh, on one hand, it could be a little bit annoying for you listening to us. But on the other hand, it's not affecting the broadcast. <laughs> and as soon as you get out of the COVID dungeon, you're going to uh, arise to a clean house. So that this is all positives. There's nothing wrong with this. That's wonderful. We will catch up with Mark Cranach shortly. You'll uh, check in as he's en route, which is awesome. Uh, he's taking his little guy Tanner to the ball game. It's not Tanner's first game, but it is the first home game for 2022. Guys, do you remember your first game? I want to go there for a moment. I want to get away. I want to get away from pile driving North Dakota if you're a Nebraska fan and what you look like on the line of scrimmage to what Nebraska football has meant to so many for so long and that's family camaraderie get-togethers and 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 moments with fathers and sons or families and uh, I'll start my first game 1987 I believe it was Arizona State I believe it was Arizona State I got to really get introduced to football season in Nebraska by my dad in 83. I was four to five years old. That was a scoring explosion year. But um, I remember seeing some of those players when I was a little kid. But you fast forward, and in the first uh, game I got to go to, uh, Tim Bob saying, what's up, was that Arizona State game. Uh, first Oklahoma game dad took me to was the 19... 19- 91 game with Calvin Jones is Nebraska came back say it with me in the fourth quarter Nebraska came back in the fourth quarter to uh, to win a football game so 87 Arizona State that that's that's my first uh, trip to Memorial Stadium first night game I think was like first big time game that dad took me to was Nebraska Washington like where it's ESPN's here and it's two top 10 teams, you'd graduated to that level of, all right, you're not going to jack around in the stands. Uh, you're going to watch the game, and and I'm not wasting a ticket on you. So there we go. Elijah, first game you uh, went to with your your dad? Yeah, I'm trying to think back to, to who the opponent was. I believe it was uh, either Texas Tech or Texas A&M. It was Texas Tech. 
I got it pulled up. Saturday, October 8th, 2005, it was a 34-31 to loss for Nebraska. And I got to give a big shout-out to John Schleich and the Schleich family. They gifted some tickets for me and my brother as I'm working to get reconnected on the uh, stream here. Me, my brother, yep. and my father, and uh, we were all sitting in the north end zone uh, right behind the goalposts, center of the uh, field, and got to watch. I mean, it should have been uh, a, a good sign for the future. Uh, a Nebraska loss as my first game is uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of losses ever since then. But that was the first game. It was a special experience. And I just remember walking out of that tunnel into the stadium and realizing why they called it the Sea of Red. The, the TV never did it justice. As you walk out and you see there was a student section right in front of me, and it was just like the, 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 the saturation almost. The, the color of the red was something that was almost indescribable. And in that moment, I realized, oh, this is why it's the Sea of Red. And uh, that, that's a memory that will always kind of stand out, despite the fact that the Huskers lost the game. Lakeven Smith had that game wrapped up and then he didn't ask Jay Moore about it sometime, but do so at a distance. We're recounting our, our first games ever since it's the opener and a lot of father, sons or families are making their first trek to Memorial Stadium. Connor, how old were you when you went to Memorial Stadium with your family? Well, I've been kind of new at this. My first game was actually the first home game of last season. First real okay. game at Memorial Stadium. Um, I don't think I'll ever forget the spring game, though, my freshman year, even though it was limited capacity. I remember hearing, you know, the the base of Sirius come in for the tunnel walk, and it wasn't the real tunnel walk, but it was still something kind of cool to experience. And I remember texting my dad during that, and I was like, I I know this is only third capacity, but you got to come out here and see this because this Ooh. is unbelievable. Because I grew up going to Northwestern games mainly, and obviously the atmospheres there differ quite a bit. Uh, but that was really, really cool. Um, I mean, last last year was full of games that I don't think I'll ever forget. Michigan, one of them, Ohio State, to go on. I think the first legitimate college football game I've ever went to, though, was at Notre Dame, and they were playing Air Force back in 2007, I believe. And I, I went with my family because we had a, a, a family friend's son was one of the safeties on Air Force, so we went to go see them play. That was really cool. It was a long time ago, but I, I remember bits and pieces. So that was like my first legitimate college football game. Uh, the, the Memorial Stadium trips have definitely been a, a more recent thing for myself. Tim, Bob, first time you made it to Memorial Stadium. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you. My friend Dan Van Pelt from uh, uh, Grand Island took me. His father had bought seats in the uh, Northwest Stadium. When he came back from the Korean War, his family had had those tickets forever, and he took me to a game, and it was one of the, I want to say it was, uh, oh, I, I'm blanking on the name of the, the Grizzly Bears, and, and it was so loud. Montana State. Montana State. It was so loud and so intense. They, they had three false starts before they ever snapped the ball once. They were backed up, and that red shirt defense got at them, and it was, it was electric in there. I'd never seen, and you know, the, they made the seats a little narrow, and, the, and those big boys, you know, that come in, it, there's there's not a whole lot of room up under there underneath that canopy. The best game, though, was Wisconsin. Bo Pelini with uh, uh, um, my son and I, my friend gave me the tickets, me and my son, and in the fourth quarter, it was so loud in that game with uh, Halu. And, and that group, and, and I'd never heard the stadium in a full throat like that. And it just rattled the whole place. And to be part of that, to just yell, yell, scream yourself hoarse 
in an atmosphere like that is just <laughs> memorable, you know? That's, no, that I'm is, trying to think that's good. I'm trying to think what the the best game Memorial Stadium I've seen is because it definitely wasn't the first one. You can't call a, a loss despite the memories that are made forever. When it is a Husker loss, it can't be my favorite game ever. It's up there just in terms of uh, looking back. It's a great memory. But I think the top game for me has got to be the inaugural home game in the Big Ten against Ohio State, the comeback. Levante David ripping the ball out of the arms of uh, – No, I, I can't either, but I remember – yeah. Yeah, oh, he, 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 oh, shoot. He's a big old back for Ohio State. Uh, the NFL Braxton for Clark. Years. He was a quarterback, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Braxton no, no, Clark. No. Braxton Miller? Braxton Miller. Yeah, Braxton, Braxton Clark's Miller, a yeah. defensive right. back for Nebraska. That was a <laughs> night game. That was a, that it was a was... night game. Awesome. And there was like a, a miss throughout the entire stadium. Remember, um, my dad, my uncle, my brother, and I were all there. And uh, there was a question at halftime. I, my dad said, you guys want to get out of this rain? And my uncle, it was his uh, first time at Memorial Stadium in, in a while. He'd been before, but he was there, and he said no. I said no. My brother was on the fence, but my dad said, all right, we got we got two no's. I'm outvoted. We're going to stick around, and uh, I'm glad we stuck around for the second yeah, half. Yeah, that there. was a great comeback. That was a great comeback. Yeah, Braxton Miller, the quarterback. Not only did Levante rip the football, he hurt him. <laughs> so they had to put in a real hack quarterback. We welcome in. Partner in crime for the weekend edition, Mark Cranack with us as he's en route to uh, Memorial Stadium with his little guy, Tanner. Cranack, we're, we're going down memory lane for a moment. We are getting away from North Dakota, Nebraska, X's and O's, juice, magnitude, lines of scrimmage, tackling, all the, all the, the, the good stuff this week. But we're talking about what you're doing today, and that is taking your little boy to memorial stadium bud and i think the first time i took carson was idaho state he still holds that against me he's like dude you could you could have taken me to a better game uh <laughs> your first game your first game that, that your your dad your, your dad took you to or you went to as a family do you remember yeah it was uh i cranack I... do we have you Let's reconnect. Was it 86 that they played or 85? All right, start over. You, you dropped out completely. Go ahead. Oh, geez. Sorry about that. It, yeah, 86 Florida State. Did they win? Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, that was when Bobby Bowden and company really started becoming a thing. Yeah. 85 or 86 they opened. Yeah, Osborne had always opened with Florida State in, in – Florida State had come up here. They won in 1980. They won in, I think, 85 or 86. But, yeah, thanks, Cranack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, not a bad first game to go to, you know, at the time. My, my dad was a Florida State uh, – he, he went to Florida State for a semester or two, and he was from that area. So he wanted to see it from – you know, he wanted to see his hometown team come. He's since completely converted to being a Husker, but – at the time, that's why we went. No, that's pretty good. Remember the first game you took Tanner to? Oh, that is a tough one. Uh, Tanner, do you remember the first one? Again, Give me a hot dog. Don't ask me questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was one when he was, you know, like an infant. I, you know, he's like one and a half or something like that. Yeah. Um, I just can't remember which one it was. We go to quite mm -hmm. a few, though. We go to quite a few. Michigan was his favorite one, except for the except for the part when they got crushed. 
Mark, Mark, just to, uh, to, to change the, the topic just a little bit here, I am noticing that you're driving down to the game today with the little guy, which means you clearly don't have COVID, unlike somebody I know that went to Ireland with you. So are you lucky? How how'd you get out of that without, I mean, Typhoid Mary over here not spreading it to you? <laughs> all right. All right. I'm not... I'm not a doctor. I'll just play one real quick. But I, I had COVID right around July 4th, and that was the first time I'd caught it. Mm, and so antibodies. the antibodies, yeah, man, I got tiger blood right now. It's just like <laughs> COVID tries to come in. It gets, it just gets, you know, completely deflected out, out of me. It's like top of the food chain stuff going on here, you know. Sounds um, like third down yeah, pass I, rush. I, I, <laughs> basically. Yeah, so I lucked out because I was sitting right next to Schmidt for a long time, too. Um, <laughs> so far, so good. Mark Cranach with us, Elijah Herbal and Tim Bob Kitzmiller at the Single Barrel. Connor Clark back at our ESPN Studios Weekend Edition. Well, we've had some memory lane talk. We'll flip gears. Cranach, what's today mean to you as a, as a guy who follows Nebraska? And, uh, you know, what are you looking for? What are you looking to see here about 2.30? Man, there, there are some things away from the field, I guess, some some body language things I'm interested in seeing. Chris, we talked about it quite a bit. We talked about it on the postgame show, but there were just some kind of unity, togetherness, leadership things that I saw sorely lacking last week, especially when you compared and contrasted that to Northwestern. And what, what I'm talking about there is pregame warm-ups. You know, normally there's like a nice little uh, – regimented column where you have you know a group of guys that starts from the goal line and they're doing like high knees and then they get to the five and then then the next group goes and the next group goes and it's kind of orderly and it's synchronized that's not <laughs> the, I, I got it on video of nebraska it's just like a free-for-all like there is no sort of order there's no it's seemingly no discipline on something like that does that mean you're going to win or lose not necessarily um there was that and then there was also in Northwestern or in Ireland, I texted you about it right when right when it happened. Into the third quarter, when Pat Fitzgerald brings his entire team together, they form like a beehive around them. They're all jumping up and down. It's it's uh, he's got them all excited. He's leading the the whole charge there, and they come out and they dominate that fourth quarter afterwards. Not just because of that, obviously, but and then you compared that to the Nebraska sideline, and it was just dudes walking around. Like there there was no like group huddle there was no like let's own the fourth quarter there was no like it, it just i don't know man it, it was such a stark difference that you saw between those two teams and pat fitzgerald considered a, a pretty good leader um you know long tenured head coach at northwestern successful overall especially considering their shortcomings that they have in recruiting and all that um so i'm looking for some of that stuff man it just i don't know there, there just seemed to be a, a general lack of of leadership. So what, what will that look like today? It's tough to say. And then, and then outside of that, um, I, I am looking for that pass rush to get home. Like, I, I know you rewatched the game too, Chris, and Garrett Nelson, even though he did not get home, he gave Skronsky some some problems that game, right? Yeah, Skronsky, I mean, Garrett's Skronsky's been in the weight room. for dear life on show. a few of those. Yeah. 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 So I would expect him to, to get home today. Um you know, for being a captain and for being ballyhooed and for not getting home last week, I think it was disappointing for a lot of people. But 
you know, he was given the, you know, probably the, the top offensive tackle, maybe a top five NFL pick, trouble. Like, that guy had to work. He's, he's really good, and he was contorting his body to keep Garrett Nelson off of his quarterback. Um, but Nelson brought it all game. And then I'm also interested in seeing, you know, Oshan Mathis just got a handful of snaps and got ten tackles. So I think you still have something at defensive end. I think Northwestern just schemed Nebraska really well, and let's see if that's true today. Yeah, Mark, something to note, though, is that this North Dakota team only allowed eight sacks all last season, and it's a new season, and they didn't really play competition like a Nebraska, a real power five opponent last year, but they still only allowed eight sacks. It's that quick passing game, and uh, I want to just kind of ask, if the pass rush isn't getting home, is that a sign of concern early for this Husker football team? Or, or do you think this defense, the back end, the secondary, can still be fine even if the pass rush isn't necessarily getting the kind of pressure you would have expected from this Husker defense before the season? Well, North Dakota's got a savvy quarterback, and he does get the ball out. You're right. He gets the ball mm -hmm. out quick. They rely on that quick passing game. Um, I, I just want to see them get to the quarterback. Whether or not it's a sack is kind of immaterial. But put it yeah. this way. If after week two, Nebraska doesn't have a single sack, <laughs> like, that would right like that would be kind of an issue, uh, especially because you know it's not like you're playing world beaters so far. You know, Northwestern's probably not going to win the conference. This just in. North Dakota is probably not going to win the Mo Valley. Like you got to get home, right? So of course they're going to get the ball out quick, but you would think and you would hope that no, that. Folks like Nelson and Mathis are so athletically superior to their counterpart that they're going to be able to, to to get to the quarterback maybe more so than an FCS team would. So, yeah, I wouldn't lower the bar. I wouldn't lower the expectations at all just because of the team that traditionally does not give up sacks and gets the ball out quick. Because presumably you shut down the run. Presumably they're, they're not going to be able to rely on the short passing attack the whole time. They might have to go deep. There will be opportunities, and let's see if Nebraska can capitalize. Mark Cranach is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Mark, I want to go back to that leadership standpoint that you brought up, that Pat Fitzgerald kind of rallies the troops going into that fourth quarter. If it's not going to be coach-led, what is stopping really the players from having that be player-led? Because I agree with you. I think that's a big part of a team's success. Now, it's not the reason why Northwestern won, as you mentioned, but – I think something like that can go a long way for a group of guys who are trying to seize momentum and trying to get confidence heading in later into the season because once Big Ten play comes, they're going to need that juice to try and go get after these Big Ten opponents. Yeah, it's, it really was troubling to watch, you know, and, and I don't think it showed up on television. I, I didn't check on the replay yet if it did. Um, but, it, look, it's pretty clear. You, you, you are, you're, you're, a, you're 10 and 30. You know, that's, I mean, that's your record. You, you lose one out of, you know, you lose three out of four games. Like, it's not because of athleticism. Look, I'm sure it's showed well on television, too. In Ireland in person, it was very clear Nebraska's got some dudes. You got, you got some guys that can move. You got some good size. You got good speed. You got good strength. Like, Nebraska's not lacking for raw talent. Like, that's there right now so what's that missing piece it probably is that unity that togetherness that those, those intangibles that are really tough to to define um and god you hope you see some signs of that today and and you know the way casey thompson has handled himself both in the game i don't think either of those picks were entirely on him 
Um, so both his performance in the game and then his performance in the press conference and all that, I, he seems like he has that in him to help kind of rally the team. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Because, look, <laughs> if today's ugly, it's going to get even uglier than it has been. Mark Cranach with us, weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Roadshow is Elijah Herbal, Tim Bob Kitzmiller, and Single Barrel. Uh, and, uh, of course, Connor Clark at our ESPN Studios. Chris Schmidt in the COVID bunker. Vic weighs in. Vic came all the way from Vic in Denver. It was Vic in Ireland. And he says, Cranach, you are you are kept safe from COVID due to whiskey. Uh, whiskey whiskey made, <laughs> made, made you safe. And... Um, Good for, for Vic to, to point that out. Nebraska does what today, Cranach, on offense? Do they focus on the ground game, or do they get down with uh, the aerial assault any way to score? Is it got to be style-specific for you? Uh, you know, I, I think I've been saying since 2002, I would love to see them just <laughs> run the run damn the ball. ball. And establish that. <laughs> run the damn ball. <laughs> so... So, but you know, I've kind of come to come to terms with the fact that that's that's probably not happening until Brett Bielema becomes the head coach or something. I don't know. Um, so, I look. I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna stay balanced. You, you would hope that they really try to get Grant going. Um, and you know, for all the criticism Frost took, myself included, about the creativity comment on the rewatch, I kind of see what he's saying when it comes to diversity in the run game. Because there really wasn't a lot of it. Uh, and so, yeah, I would like to see that at least. Maybe you get the quarterback more involved. Maybe you do some misdirection. You know, maybe you have some jet motion stuff going on. Get Ramirez involved. I do want to see a little more diversity there. Um, but more than anything, Nebraska just has to come out with a, a convincing win. Not just a win, but a convincing win. Mark, uh, I'm going to jump in here and, and ask, do you want to see more Logan Smothers today in, in that quarterback run option? Casey Thompson said he, he's willing to do some quarterback run. They've repped it in practice, but I, I think last week showed us that Logan Smothers is the guy that they're going to bring in if they want to get some quarterback run done, bring him in and, and package. Uh, and, and I want to ask, do you think that that's going to be featured more in the offense today, or, or do you want to see that more in the offense today? I don't know about Logan Smothers in particular. Um, yeah, I mean... Look, if you grow up around here and you watch <laughs> watch Nebraska football, you believe firmly in the quarterback run game, <laughs> you know, um, or at least I do. So I, I would like to see that, not at the expense of getting Casey Thompson hurt. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's good to get Logan Smothers some, some snaps. Um, it, it doesn't hurt, but I don't think it has to be like a specialty package, sort of Tebow freshman year kind of thing either. Granak will let you get out and get settled with uh, with Tanner as you're making your way to the game. What what's the prediction? What say you? Do they cover the lines up to thirty and a half now? Anything else? Um, I you know I got it thirty eight seventeen, so okay. I don't think Nebraska covered. I'm ordering runs right now. Right, yeah, uh, I'm no, sorry. What's happening, dude? 10-20 is window. Okay, thanks. All right. Yeah, now I'm going to window. Sorry, I, it wasn't for me. Nice. It wasn't for me. It's, you know, I got, got to feed the children. Give know? me some frings, like, man. 
Yeah, well, how about how about the, the <laughs> mother of all free shout outs? Just let's just do the drive through. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like play it off and then I I just got caught mid sentence and uh mid runza like the mid mid runza uh PA system. Uh, you know, they had, they had to confirm some stuff with me. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. No, but I got I got I got about thirty eight thirteen, thirty eight seventeen today. Um you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if North Dakota can scheme a, scheme a touchdown or or maybe two. Um, but, you know, I, I don't see them moving the ball with a ton of consistency. I think you'll see a lot better Nebraska defense today. Um, I think they're better than what they showed last week. Um, I think you had some – I think they understand game speed a little bit more now than maybe they did. That's concerning on another level when it comes to practice tempo, but – yeah. That's besides the point. They've seen yeah. game speed now, and North Dakota hasn't yet either. So, um, yeah, I got about 38-13, 38-17. Krenak, enjoy uh, your, your runza, or your kid needs to enjoy his runza, and uh, we will check in with you next week, okay, bud? Thanks for making time. Okay, fellas, good talking with you. There he is, Mark Krenak in a drive through at Arunza near Memorial Stadium. Good to spend time with him. Tim, Bob, you've uh, been hanging out for a bit. How you feeling, man? You've been bumping around uh, downtown Lincoln here all morning. Uh, yeah, Tim, Bob, with Al- Alpha yeah. Media. You seeing as, not, as much red as you like, or you noticing uh, uh, some light numbers this morning, this afternoon? Well, you know, it, it, it was... You know, Rosie's is rocking over there, and and uh, hooligans across the street with our our boy Animal, and everybody seems to be up and 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 moving about. I guess maybe a little lighter than you expect, but it's a later kickoff, so you know everybody's kind of coming in, you know, a little bit later. I have to tell you, I have been on the field against the Fighting Sioux of North Dakota. Have you? Back in the day, Northwest back, Missouri back State. They, back of, when they were back when they were called that <laughs> when they were called that one of the coldest days of my life on the sidelines sleeting raining homecoming at northwest missouri state and it was miserable so let me guess though no sleeves from tim bob that day no sleeves but i was bundled up like i was shivering <laughs> and and literally saw a receiver come to the sideline catch one get hit and just drop the ball from being stung because it was so cold so that's my memory of of uh, north dakota um, you know, you're talking about, you know, the game and, and you know, we had a, a good talk with Cranach in the post game and with you. I really think I want to see them come out and run the ball. I mean, we were told they had a stable of running backs uh, to see and we really didn't see that that diversity. So I want to see them come out and run the football, run the damn ball, set up the play action pass. And I agree. Casey Thompson is going to have to at least have the threat of running. Because you could see that in the film, you know, uh, Northwestern didn't even respect that. So I think you're going to have to show that you can run a little bit, even if you're not going to carry it six, eight, ten times, at least to make that RPO work. Because if, if one of those elements isn't a threat, then the defense doesn't have to respect it and they take the other two away. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see what that diversity in the running game is. But I'd like to see more of that stable of backs pound the ball three, four, five yards a carry, and then set up something deep. Do you think that's a sticking point when when we hear you got to be more creative? 
do you think it is a situation where Whipple is hesitant and and not a quarterback run guy? He's acknowledged it. He's acknowledged that there's been some option work done with his quarterbacks. But when he's calling the game, when he's scheming, when he's planning, I mean, you saw Casey do his thing and drop back. And I thought the O-line, for the most part, kept him pretty clean. I just think something went awry at the end of that third quarter, sometime after, after the the miraculous play uh, where he's running for his life and he hucks it 60 yards, the backyard football moment. After that, he never really threw the ball the same way he did. And they worked on getting him in rhythm with, with some some play calls. But between the drops in that fourth quarter where he was he was flushed, I don't know that Casey's a guy that likes to, to, to throw on the run. I think he's straight up a pocket guy. And you got to ask yourself, is Casey a guy that is, is going to be a willing runner? And uh, those are all... I don't think so. If, I, well... And that's too bad because for this offense to work, Elijah, Connor, and Tim Bob, you guys can can sound off on this. They need that that dual threat quarterback element, even if it's a, a threat of three to five times a game. You still right. gotta you still gotta respect it if you're a defense. And right now they don't have to, and they can just pile away. There wasn't much outside zone. It was more inside between the tackles, which I love. But you gotta you gotta be good at it. Nebraska's not good in short yardage. Nebraska didn't attack the edges at all, or there were some runs where the back could have bounced it outside, I thought, and they kept it inside. I thought that hurt Nebraska. Well, well my, my take is this with the quarterback run game is I don't think Mark Whipple is a guy who wants to put his quarterback in the line of fire. If the running game is working, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked, um, and I, I don't have any real insight here, but I wouldn't be shocked if he starts incorporating the quarterback run more once he gets that running back game working. Uh, because it's going to sure. open up a lot more space for his quarterback. But I, I don't think he's going to go back to what we've seen the past couple years with Nebraska, where when all else fails, let's run the quarterback. It gives us a man advantage. I don't think he's the type of coach that wants to put his pass-first quarterback in the line of fire. And I'll be curious to see today if, if Nebraska does get that, that running game going with their stable of backs, will we see a little bit more of Casey Thompson uh, pulling it out maybe on his own read, going with that option a little more, uh, because Mark Whipple's less worried about throwing his quarterback into the line of fire. I, I I wonder about that dynamic between a coach who's Scott Frost, whose reputation is the RPO, right? That that option thing, and Whipple, who's a traditional NFL type of coach, pro and style that, guy. That pro style, that that uh, dynamic between where's the middle ground for those two guys to be happy with the offensive play calling, you know, where Rip, Whipple's comfortable, but but still plays homage and, and takes advantage of that RPO. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we've got about one minute left this okay. segment. <laughs> Connor, you got time to squeeze in a take uh, with, with that, or you want to hold over? Yeah, I can squeeze one in here. I think if Frost is going to have some sort of like QB run going on, that means he has a hand in the offense, I think. But if Whipple's going to have full control of this offense, then Casey Thompson will probably not run the ball. It'll be more of Logan Smothers if they do go to that quarterback run game. But as long as Whipple is in quote-unquote full control of the offense, I don't think we'll see Casey run that much. And to be honest, if that's not going to be the recipe for success for Nebraska football, that's okay because we saw how it worked out with Adrian Martinez. Yes, it was effective, 
but there were costly turnovers at costly times, and you got to hang on to the football, especially when your quarterback's running with it. I think you've got a couple, three options at running back that you, you haven't had in a while. I think guys can be that good with with Allen, of course, and, and Grant. Then you, you, you mix in the quarterback run game, that zone read portion. Man, it could be really, really effective. Uh, a quick timeout as we're wind, winding down a Saturday show, a weekend edition. And our friends at Currency are bringing you this broadcast today. Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Don't forget Real Red Reaction follows. A quick timeout. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, with us to wrap up as we're at the single barrel with Hale Varsity Radio. When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now before it's too late now it's time to get back to the hail varsity radio show with chris schmidt and mark cranak all right that's it you two guys leave me no choice no television for a week what great to have you back hail varsity radio weekend the old flex schedule 230 kick means 11 30 show start we're winding down on the road at the single barrel is Elijah Herbal, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, joining him on site. Connor Clark is back in studio. Chris Schmidt in the COVID dungeon. We're presented by your friends at Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Sharpie, good to see you, hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, hold on. Why are you making excuses? You're using COVID as an excuse when you're just so distraught that you've made a bet with someone that you're not coming out of the basement until Nebraska wins a football game. <laughs> no, there was a time a couple of years ago we had the old Schmidt mustache tribute, and uh, we, we grew one until they won, and thank God Penn State happened uh, because <laughs> I, I looked a bit creepy. Sharpie, I always love your tweets, and uh, you are distraught for a couple of reasons this morning. One being the guy charging you a half a hundred to, to park about, what, six it's crazy down the here. stadium? Okay. It's crazy so, down here. So uh, something in the offseason, there's a, there's a friend of mine that runs a lot that is at about 18th uh, Street, just, just outside of downtown, but very walkable yeah. to the stadium. Plus, it's easy to get in and out of. He's been charging 10 bucks for that lot forever. And I drove by him this morning, and he's up at 15. And I'm not complaining because I – where I, where I park, I like where I park, and you know I don't have you don't have to worry about that. But there's a lot that's not very far from the single barrel that's charging forty five dollars, and I'm like, wow, shouldn't you be closer to the stadium if you're charging forty five dollars? But it looks like all around parking has gone up by five to ten dollars in almost every lot, whether it's a university lot or somebody is just you know having you park in your uh, your front yard. Well, see, I usually bring a a, a twenty dollar bill yeah. for parking, and that usually gets me fine. And I'm driving around, circling around downtown. And I cannot find any parking yeah. for less than $20 down here. And I lucked into it, Gary. I found a street spot in the hay market. Don't know how I did it, but it, it's, it's a good omen. Yeah. Now, Schmitty, I will give him credit for this. Schmitty always is able to find a parking spot on the street. He is like the king of finding a parking spot. 
<laughs> well, I will say some of the lots down there, and you're talking about some of them being expensive. I drove past one in the Haymarket, eighty bucks to park no. today. See, that's insane. Eighty that's bucks, in- and I'm used to going to Cub games where it's like forty is the baseline. Yeah, I looked at eighty. Whoa! I mean, come on. Like I'm a college student. I got to park down here too. <laughs> I'm not trying to pay eighty dollars to park in a parking lot for three hours. It's crazy. This, it's like this, going up with with Husker football. It's you bring a twenty dollar bill that gets you a parking, that gets you a hot dog, and then maybe even gets you a Pepsi too. Yeah, that was back in the 20, days. 20, there, twenty twenty gets you a couple of whiskeys, you know, and, and, and that was that was the hope. I remember cousin Dino dropped like three hundred bucks to park, but he had his freaking he had this this monster RV. All right, because he would. Yeah. There was a year where he went around touring with his RV and it was a sweet RV. Uh, it was a little, it was a little different than uncle Andy's RV. We took down to Oklahoma. Uh, Dean's had air conditioning, uh, <laughs> so, but, but 300 to park his, his, his monster, uh, RV. And, and that was, man, that was pre COVID. So, so Sharpie, let's, uh, Let's dive into today, and then we'll get your your hockey take as well on North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I go Ed Balfour, by the way. Well played. I said Tony Herkus. Elijah okay. and Connor are like, well, just get on with the football, guys. This is not yeah. hockey season. So what, what needs to happen today? Get your crystal uh, ball out. Well, first and foremost, Nebraska needs to win a game. I mean, that's the obvious. Right. Now, how they look they aren't really going to change any of our opinion or the fan base opinion, but they have two weeks to show internally that what they've done in the month of August leading up to the season is not what they showed last week in Dublin. I think you've got to see an offensive line that moves people off the ball, an offensive line that communicates, an offensive line that does not let the quarterback get touched because North Dakota is going to come in here and, and, and there's a reason why the line has started to escalate over the last 24 hours. This is not South Dakota State, who Iowa is in a 3-3 battle with right now midway through the third quarter. This is a team that a couple of years ago was really good, a playoff team in FCS, but they've got some work to do. They were 5-6 and six last year. Now, they're going to come and they're going to play hard and they're going to try and cause some chaos. It's important for Nebraska on the offensive line, one, to move people, another one to communicate, and then I think also on the defensive side, we'll see on lack of bus where Nebraska plays smart, fundamentally sound football, where the bust that happened on last Saturday, where they couldn't get lined up correctly in the, in the defensive backfield and some other issues up front, they've been able to uh, fix those. But this is all about Nebraska. This is about pride. This is about playing hard. This is about going out there and getting a victory. And you know what? I've said all week, as disappointing as last Saturday was, guys, that Nebraska still controls something. And that is when they walk out of the stadium at 3.30 on the 17th of September, the narrative can be drastically different than the narrative is right now. But you have to start today against North Dakota. I think we saw that last year, too. Sorry to cut you off, Smitty. But Go ahead. ahead. After the Illinois loss, everybody, including myself, was very skeptical about the rest of the season. But you saw how the team bounced back. Now, it didn't translate into wins like we would have hoped so, but... They were close. They were in every single game that they played. So we know that just because a week zero loss happens doesn't mean the season is quote-unquote over. But you mentioned it, Gary. The narrative could change drastically after September 17th, obviously, if everything goes according to plan. But I don't know how you feel about it, but I think the season still could hold some very good things for this Husker football team down the road. 
Yeah, didn't you guys find it interesting? And I brought this up on my show. You could tell the players that have been here for a while compared to the portal guys that just got here on how they reacted to Saturday. Garrett Nelson reacted like it was the end of the season. Casey Thompson sitting right next to him basically looked at a captain and said, we're going to be fine. O'Shawn Mathis says, we got to act like this didn't happen and move on. I think that's an element to watch today because also keep in mind, Nebraska was in Ireland a week ago. So they're playing a football game six days after they get back. What are they like out of the gate today? I think it's important if you're going to do what you believe you can do today is you don't dance with North Dakota very long. You come out and you throw a haymaker offensively or defensively and you get the ball rolling downhill against North Dakota. But it'll be interesting to, to the guys that are new didn't go through last year. The guys that have been here, they're wondering, okay, we're up 28-17 Ah, that my coach doesn't have as much deposits in the bank. What were we doing? We had a chance there. So you've got to blend all of that together. And you've also got to blend guys that have been here before on your staff and guys that arrived on how they approach a game like last week against Northwestern, not being the end of the world or taking the, you know what, we did some good things right. We just didn't do enough of them. And Northwestern was better than us. Gary Sharp's with us here, a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio as we preview Nebraska and North Dakota. And, Gary, you mentioned that almost defeatist mentality, that self-doubt that that you always see on a sideline with this Husker football team. And how is that eliminated? Is there anything that can be done on the playing field today to eliminate that self-doubt in the back of the minds of of guys that have been here a couple years? Or is this something that starts from the top? Is it a coaching staff thing? Or is it, you know, you just got to get some wins against some higher-level competition? How do you think that 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 can be eliminated from within the Now, the last part you mentioned would help. But I think, you know, this is the scary part of where Nebraska football is, and this isn't anything new. This is in their DNA, that everybody has a point during a game where something unexpected is going to happen, and it's how you deal with it. Not every team folds. They maybe get staggered a little bit, and then they get going again. But there's something about Nebraska football from the top all the way to the 150th guy on the roster that when Nebraska has a little hiccup during a game, it throws them completely off, and they're never able to respond. I look at the all of the numbers that are out there from last Saturday, and they just keep culminating, is Nebraska in the last seven quarters of fourth quarter play, so the last seven fourth quarters have scored 27 points, and their third down conversion rate is not very good. So whatever happens in the second quarter, third quarter, Nebraska's not able to respond. I would like to see them get the battle with adversity and respond. That's what we've been saying all offseason, guys, when we've always been together on Saturdays, is that first time Nebraska gets punched in the mouth or they have adversity with the blending of old and new guys, how do they respond? We're going to find out today. But I think, unfortunately, right now, that's in the DNA of the program, and that's not something to be real comfortable about. Gary, it's going to take maybe some of those new guys to drag along the old guard that it's going to be okay. They'll, they'll get it fixed. They'll get it figured out. They, they've got to be the voice and the guys who make some plays on the field that that bring that old guard with them so they're not so PTSD'd with here we go again because it's been ongoing throughout their career here where they've played good enough football at times to have way more wins, but there's been ways to – find a way to lose i want to get your your take do you hear anything or what's the pulse inside the coaches offices the the locker room with with how that went down onside kick and then that fourth quarter collapse i mean is there 
is there some smoke in there or is everyone just kind of looked in the mirror and moved on? No, I, I think I don't think you can say, hey, just move on, because that was an opportunity. Everybody knew going into that game what that game meant. And you had, even though you hadn't played exceptionally well, you had game control of 28-17. Guys, a coach can get away with an onside kick decision like that if he has deposits in the bank with his team and his staff where they go, I got your back, coach. I know what you were doing. But when you haven't done that, you got players that question, why would you do it at that moment? And that's what I'm fearful of, of moving forward, because that is something that's going to linger around this program until you beat in Oklahoma, until you win three in a row, which you've never done before, things that you've never done before on the positive side. You know, it's, it's, you're fighting so hard for a victory. You've got to put yourself in the best position. And in that case, you know, there's the great debate's been going on all week. If it was the right thing to do or the wrong thing, how did it affect the game? I just think that if I'm a player and I know that my coach has my best interest and he's got, as I use, deposits in the bank, coach, good, I understand what you're doing, we're going to be fine. Instead, you probably had players go, whoa, 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 and then boom, the game changes like it did in Nebraska, once again, not able to recover. Gary, Gary Sharp, he's hit no, the single barrel uh, with Elijah Herbal. Connor Clark back at our ESPN studios. Chris Schmidt, hope you're doing all right. Weekend edition. Flex scheduled because of the 2.30 kickoff. We got rolling at 11.30, uh, winding down here, about 10 minutes left or so. Uh, Sharpie, pass rush here. Is Nebraska up a crick, or can they scheme it? You tell me, with moving forward, can they get – what they need to get out of some of these NIL dudes. Well, first of all, I think Northwestern had a great plan offensively. And you look at Hel- uh, Helensky in that game, and, and it, trust me, Nebraska made him look exceptionally good, but it was snap, boom, 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 ball was out. That's difficult to get a pass rush on. So maybe you'll see a difference today with a different type of quarterback, but Northwestern really, really was well-prepared, and they out-coached Nebraska in that game. Now, but you got to get to the quarterback. Now, I'm, I, I think they're going to be okay there. But my concern and will be a concern and has been a concern is what do you do with the interior defensive line? There is no way in God's green earth that Ty Robinson can play 71 of 85 snaps in a game, that high percentage, or Colton Feast. They've got to be able to divide up snaps to best use the minutes and the snaps for those players. That's my bigger concern on the defensive line. I think the pass rush is going to be okay, but – Teams are going to do exactly what Northwestern did. Boom, 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 the ball is out. And what do you – I mean, unless you are an elite pass rusher, you're not getting to the quarterback when they get the ball out of his hands that quick. Gary Sharp with us here, a Saturday morning edition. Hale Varsity. I guess it's Saturday afternoon yep. now. That's uh, muscle memory. i gotta, got to kick that to the curb. You've but... done the walk of shame. Now you're ready to go. <laughs> Gary, uh, let's, let's look a little further at this defense here. As, uh, there's potential Nick Henrich not being in the lineup today. Ernest Hausman was really thrown into the fire last week against Northwestern and performed admirably, I think, given the circumstances, but it, it was still below par for what yeah. you need from this Husker defense. If Henrich is a, not a go today, which it sounds like he isn't, what do you make of who's going to be stepping in? Do you think Kolarovic is going to be moving back to the inside linebacker spot? It really looks like a position group which, along with your tight ends with Vokalek being out, are going to be very thin moving forward until you get a guy like Henry. Yeah, back. Elijah, I'm glad you bring up tight ends because that's concerning behind Vokalek, who clearly was a difference maker last Saturday. And Now you're going to have Brewington, Borkshire, A.J. Rollins has got to play today, maybe even get to James Carney. But back to your original question, 
Nebraska, Nick Henrich had a bad first half. Mm -hmm. He did not have a very good game. He's got to be better than that. Some of the things that still ail Nick are going to ail him, and that has to do with tackling. Um, but, you know, he got dinged in that game. So what that happens is a, a position where you don't have a lot of depth. You like your two front-line guys, especially Reimer. I mean, he had 15 tackles in the game. He's an all-Big Ten linebacker. Ernest Hausman, just like A.J. Allen, you've taken the bubble wrap off the freshman on the opening game. You've got to play them moving forward and not just five carries, nine snaps. Their volume needs to increase by how comfortable you feel with them playing. And I believe you'll see A.J. Allen a fair amount over the next two weeks. Plus, I think you'll see Ernest Hausman play a little bit more. I mean, he's got everything you like. That's a tough game to throw him into the fire like he did because Northwestern played a chess match. They recognized guys like Omar Brown that was on the field or Ernest Hausman, and they attacked him. But I think you'll see him play more. I'd like to see Maga Clements play more. We're kind of waiting for him. I don't know about Kolarvik. Now, I think Kolarvik is better suited at his original position inside linebacker than playing the nickel. But do they want him to go back and forth because they've spent so much time with him at the nickel? But it's, it's, not, it's not comfortable at inside linebacker. Nebraska also part of Schmidt's the start of this segment is Nebraska needs to get out of this game healthy. I mean, they got to get the victory, and then they got to get healthy because they don't have a lot of depth as we're seeing at certain positions. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Gary... We saw Anthony Grant emerge as the RB1 last week, but who did you want to see emerge as kind of an RB2 behind Anthony Grant? I know we've talked about Gabe Irvin not really getting touches. No Ramir Johnson. Jacquez Yant didn't really get much of the ball as well. Who do you want to see be that true backup to Anthony Grant in that running back room? Kind of, I think, I, I think you, guys, you, you guys can you know, agree or disagree. I think A.J. Allen is running back too. Mm. When, when, let's, if, if, Yant, if Yant is given the football again near the goal line, I'm going to walk into a wall and keep walking into a wall. That is a failed experiment. Uh, I don't know what you're going to get out of Yant, but I think A.J. Allen at least gives you something because there was a part in the, early in the fourth quarter where if he just goes left instead of going right, he made a freshman mistake. He's got a chance to get a 25, 30-yard run out of that, and that kind of starts to change the game in the fourth quarter. So I think he is your running back, too. Now, Gabe Irvin still isn't up to speed. I mean, we're about a year away from, you know, off that major knee injury. He'll play a little bit more today. I just, I, I, I got to admit, I'm not, I've not, I have never really been all in on Yant, and I think they misuse him, and so I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, you know, and then Ramir, everybody wants to know about Ramir. Guys, when a coach says he's a great teammate and he's good on special teams, do you feel comfortable that they are, that's a resounding, oh, we're going to get him in at running back and wide receiver. Something is weird there with, with Ramir and why he did not get any offensive snaps. But, uh, Connor, I think A.J. Allen is your RB2, and that's what you go with moving forward. Gary, over under two and a half running backs getting a first half snap for, or first half carry for Nebraska today. Over. Over two and a half, okay. Yeah. Sharpie, we'll let you get out and get to the stadium. Thanks for being on site with this at the single barrel. Quarterback run, is that something we're going to discuss all year, or does that settle in as more of an option for, for the Nebraska offense? We will not be discussing the great ability of Casey Thompson to run the football. He just is very awkward running the football, and I think they don't want him running. So if that's the case, do you go more under center instead of running straight ahead with out of the shotgun? Do you have an extra blocker like you saw Vokalek would work as an extra blocker? Do you add some elements of what Scott liked to do on the run game? And that is some motion to throw some people off. But I am curious on how Nebraska, without the element of a quarterback run game, is going to get to the edge. 
Um, you know, do they do they scheme up a little bit more? Do they run some RPO where you know that Casey's not going to carry it, but at least there's the element of that. They have to – that's the part of Scott, when he says creative after the game, I agree with. They have to find a way, if you've got no quarterback run game, to be creative and kind of fluff it up a little bit uh, running the football. But I don't think overnight that's going to change. The way it'll change is with the schematics on how they run the football and, of course, the big five up front being able to move and power off the football. Gary Sharp with us, weekend edition. Single barrel is where he and Elijah, they are both guarding the whiskey closet behind them. Connor Clark is hunkered in, Chris Schmidt in the uh, COVID dungeon. I've got uh, a sleeping German shepherd to my left and a too heavy uh, of Labradoodle eating something to my right. Guys, Appreciate you all. Cotter, Elijah, we'll check in with you after the ball game with Real Red Reaction. Sharpie, get yourself a hot dog and a runza, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Great show as always for the uh, trio. Appreciate you, man. There he is. Uh, Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. And, uh, yeah, all set. And uh, it'll be stream only tonight. So, if you're hearing us uh, radio, great. If you want to check out ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, please do so. ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, please do so. And uh, we will get uh, things handled uh, post-game. So uh, bringing a new uh, title sponsor to you, excited about your friends at Currency. Uh, log on to their website, Currency. It's uh, uh, an arm of your friends at at Sandhills, all your equipment financing needs, be sure to go currency. Elijah, you going or are you uh, hunkering down for about a three-inch thick steak right now? Well, I am probably going to – I'm not going to the game. I'm probably going to stick around here for a little bit. i got to figure out how to get around this traffic to, to get back to my house to watch this football game. I, I'm at a loss. I don't know how to do it. You might have to hunker down at a bar. Uh, Connor, be good. Thanks again. Sharpie, we love you. <laughs> we'll talk to you I, after. I hope, Take care. I hope you love me more than this Iowa-South Dakota State game. Oh, brutal. Oh, it is. It is black and blue, man. <laughs> All right. We'll take care. We'll talk to you later on here with ESPN Lincoln.